Okay, why don't we just stand for the reading of the word and just out of respect for God's precious word to us this morning. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, from the message version. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Lord, I just thank you for your word, and I thank you, God, for your love. And we've touched on that this morning, that, God, you just love us so much. You've loved us first, and we just respond to that love that you have given out first, Father. And, Lord, we just pray that your word would go deep into our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just want to take a seat. Oh, Johnny, I'll just get you out of the first slide. Um, yeah, this morning I'm actually doing a, 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 a vision talk. Um, I did one just towards the end of last year, and this is kind of just carrying on from there as we just sort of set sail and set our sights on what we're going for this year as a church. And so for me, um, one of the sort of pivotal things for me last year, something that really touched me deep in my soul, was I, I was listening to an audio book um, for this book here. It's an autobiography of a book called A Burning in My Bones, which is about Eugene Peterson. Um, many of you may know him. He's a theologian and pastor. He passed away a couple of years ago. And you may know him from the, the Message Bible that we just read. He translated that. And uh, he said this, uh, there's this really interesting line in that, in that um, biography. I'll just get Johnny to go to it. And this is what the, um, the, uh, the author writes. This hunger for something radical, something so true that it burned in his bones, was a constant in Eugene's life. His longing for God ignited a ferocity in his soul. And this morning, I guess the thing that I really want to share with you, more than anything out of what I'm going to talk about for the next 20 or 30 minutes, is, is about what's burning in my heart, what's burning in my bones, what's burning in my soul and I, and I love that line so much because it just gets at the heart of everything, isn't it? You know, what are we, what are we desiring? What do we want? Like, what are we, what are we, what's burning in our bones this morning, Kurimako, for, for what God can do in us and through us this year? Next slide, Johnny. Uh, keep going. Our church has a, a, a vision, and it's, it's, it's very similar to a lot of churches' ones, to love God and to... I love others and to see the kingdom of God advance. Basically, love God, love others. And that comes from, uh, in, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus has a, a moment where he, people ask him, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and all your mind, where he was taking the Jewish Shema from the Deuteronomy. And Jesus adds an extra part to it from Leviticus, which, says, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. And it says, and all the law and the prophets hang on on these two commandments. And then at the end of Matthew's Gospel, um, many of us are aware of, of a great commission and commandment that Jesus gave his disciples just as he was about to ascend into heaven. He said, go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. So that's, in essence, we, we were part of a, 
a big wide church that goes across 2,000 years of human history and across the world right now. We've got brothers and sisters everywhere. We're part of this great global vision of what God is wanting to do in the earth. Um, and we live that out through our values. Johnny, just want to go to the next slide? So we have um, three values, and they are whakamoimiti, uh, um, which means praise and thanksgiving. Um, so everything that we do, we want to be, be worshippers, you know. It says in, in John's Gospel that God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and truth. So God longs to, for us to come to him and worship him and be caught up in his grandeur and his beauty. It's the, it's the greatest thing of our life. This is, the point of our life is, is to have union with Jesus in this life and in the next. So this is a key value of our church, that we love worship. And as if you've been part of this church for a little while, you would have noticed um, we had the awesome Tui up here this morning leading us, and didn't he do a great job? Oh, you didn't have to clap, but yeah, 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 yeah. that's right, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's really push your self-esteem up there, Tui. <laughs> um, but some weeks you've noticed we haven't had, always had musicians up the front. But like we've spoken a lot, our, our heart is to be worshippers. And so we will do everything we can to be worshippers as a church. Uh, our other value is whanaungatanga. And this is about family. This is about relationships, about connecting with one another. And so as a, as a, as a church, we're not just a, a whole lot of individuals. We're actually a whānau. And we actually do life together. So we do life not just on Sundays, but in each other's homes and throughout the week and in our workplaces and um, wherever God's putting us, we're, we're doing whanaungatanga with each other and we're doing it with other people out in the community who we're coming in touch with because we want other people to come into God's family. It says in Psalms that God puts the lonely into family. Like This is the heart of God. He is family and as the Trinity and he wants us to be part of his family. He wants the whole world to be part of his family. And lastly, tikanga rua. Uh, we are committed as a church. Um, we have you know, baby steps on this thing as three years you know, in as, as a church officially, but we are committed to doing church biculturally and, 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 and going on that journey of what it means to be in partnership, a covenant that was set out in our country through the treaty of, of uh, tangata whenuata and, 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 and of tangata tiriti, you know, um, Pākehā non Māori, joining together in a, in a beautiful partnership. Oh, whoa, we've got the slides now. Can not just go off the top of my head. Okay, <laughs> uh, uh, next slide, thanks. Um, this this uh, this is a, a picture of the tide out, and and I've spoken about this last year. It, it's uh, it, it, it's it's a really great picture of where the church is in the West, because um, for many of you, you might have noticed that. That statistically, church numbers are going down. Less and less people are, are, are part of the faith. If you look at census data and, and across Western countries, and it seems like the church is in decline overall, and the church is on its knees. And uh, if you look at a global picture, that's not the case. Uh, you go to Africa, Asia, Latin America, the church is booming, like in some of these places. And overall, Christianity is booming across the, the planet. But in, in Western countries, we, we're, we're facing increasing secularization. Um, we, we've got lots of challenges and stuff in our society, redefinition of lots of th values and things that we've all um, held for many years. So there's a, there's a lot 
going on. And, and what's happened is it, it seems like the church is in, in real decline. And it looks like on the surface that the tide has gone out. And I, I love this thing from a guy called Mark Sayers, who's over in a church in Melbourne. He talks about this picture of the church going out like a tide. But he says when, the, when a tide goes out, it goes out to build up power to come back in. And he talked about that picture of, of renewal, that, that you know, it's God's heart for our church and our nation that, that there would be renewal, that there would be revival in our land, that people would come to know him and to come into community with him. And that's, that's the heart of God for our churches. And, and there was something that, like last year, I, I, I went to a conference uh, in Portland, um, practicing the way. And I, mean, I go on and on about John Mark Comer, I'm a bit of a fanboy, and I'll probably keep doing that, sorry. Uh, but the, the key thing about that conference was this whole issue about how are we going to keep the faith? How are we going to help people go deeper with Jesus? How, and not just for ourselves and our own generation, but how are we going to help our kids and our grandkids? And that was the very thing that really hit home for me. Like, I, I'm pretty reasonably secure in my faith. I, you know, I have ups and downs and dry periods and amazing moments. Um, but I, I feel very secure in my faith. But, I, man, I, my heart is for my children and my grandchildren that they would go deep with Jesus, that they would love Jesus, and we would equip them to live and follow Jesus no matter where our society goes. Whether we go back to more you know, values that are more aligned with Christian values or if it becomes more and more progressive, we, we want to equip our kids to thrive and flourish in those environments. So that for me was just a, 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 real, a, a real burning in my bones that I, I want to do that as a church. I, uh, I've also mentioned this before. I read another book which was quite pivotal. Uh, it was called 4,000 Weeks. And uh, it's not a Christian book, but the, the book was talking about that the average lifespan is about 4,000 weeks. And I'm 42 in, in a couple of months, so I'm like, I've, I've only got less than 2,000 to go. So, and there's a couple of people here probably calculating it as well. Like, <laughs> um, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, man, if I've only got 2,000 weeks to go, um, plus or minus, I want to give this all my all to this thing to see this church flourish, to see God's plans and purposes in the Manawatu and Aotearoa be fulfilled. Like, I just do not want to just maintain and just try and survive. I want to see this thing flourish, don't you? Don't we want to see this flourish? Don't we see our kids on fire for God, our grandkids? Don't we want to see our society renewed and changed? Because it's not going to come through politics. It's not going to come through some charismatic figure. It's going to come through the power of God and the people of God faithfully going after God. It's the way it's worked through 2,000 years of human history, and it's the way God works. He wants his people to be faithfully following him and crying out to him, and then we see him pour out his spirit. Then we see transformation, in, not only in our lives, but in our society. And there's two things this morning I just really want to um, hone in on and leave you with as, as, as I come into land. The first thing is, um, next slide, Johnny. The first thing I, I really felt God put on my heart last year and part of going to that conference and things was, was spiritual formation. And I have wrestled with this myself as a Christian all my life. Um, you get saved, wonderful. Maybe, you, maybe many of you have responded to an altar call um, or maybe someone's prayed for you, told you about Jesus and you, you've said something like the sinner's prayer or you've just made some sort of confession of faith somewhere along the line, wonderful, awesome. And then maybe you even did like an alpha course or something like that, or some basics of, of Christian faith, and that was, that was amazing for you as well. 
Um, but what I find is that a lot of people who have been maybe you know, in church all their lives or, or have just been Christian for a few years, they get to this point after they had that incredible experience of God, and then they're kind of like, what do I do now? Like, how do I do this thing? Like, how do I actually follow Jesus? Like, how do you do it? And I get, you know, talking to people, my peers, people in church, people around the place, the same deep soul questions keep coming back. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to read my Bible. This is dry. This, this is boring. It, God felt so real in that moment. Now, I can't even feel him at all. Is he even there? I'm, I'm wrestling with doubts. I'm wrestling with struggles. Man, why is life so hard? And so people, they, they've had this experience of God, but then they don't know how to daily pick up their cross and follow God. And so they're wrestling with these things. And, 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 and as a pastor, and just as a father and a husband, these are the things I'm like, oh man, I am so passionate about seeing people being transformed by God. In that passage at the start, you know, Paul um, in the uh, NIV version says, um, you know, brothers, brothers and sisters, you know, it's a, it's a community project. It's not just individuals. This is a community program to be shaped and formed by God. And the way to be shaped and formed by God is, is through spiritual formation um, and through spiritual practices, uh, sometimes called spiritual disciplines. Now, these things in on themselves are not the end goal. Like, just like the end goal of prayer is, is not prayer. It's union with God. But these are things like a trellis is for grapes that help us to get deeper with Jesus, to allow the Spirit to work on us and transform us and shape us and form us because we're being shaped and formed by the world every day, every day by our phones, every day by the shows we're watching. I'm not, I'm not having a big condemnation kind of thing here. Watch TV, go on your phone, all that sort of stuff. But be, be aware that those things are not neutral, right? Like we are being shaped and formed by our world, by what we consume and what we see. And so it's like we've got to ask ourselves, who are we becoming? Like, who are we becoming more like Jesus or are we becoming more like the world? And if we want to become more like Jesus, we need to start looking at our whole life. Bring your whole life before God and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, you're open to look at every aspect of my life. I want to have wholehearted discipleship going after you. I want to lay it before you and say, no areas off bounds, Jesus. I want to become more like you. I want to have deeper union and communion with you. And the way we do that is through taking on these time-tested practices that are in the life of Jesus and Christians across the ages have, have used to help them. And so there are things like fasting. Everyone's like, yeah, I love that one. It's my favorite. <laughs> uh, you know, silence and solitude. Um, hospitality. You know, we, we don't think about that as a spiritual practice, but actually having people over to your home, eating food after, after church, this is a spiritual practice. Coming here to church on Sunday is a spiritual practice. Meeting down at the park is a spiritual practice. We're orientating our lives around God in community. Uh, next slide, Johnny. Uh, Dallas Willard said this, The greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of heavens into every corner of human existence. Isn't that incredible, that quote? Because you know, think of all the problems in the world, and I'm sure most of us would think of bigger issues 
that are going on um, in our Western societies and around the world, um, that that is the greatest need of the hour, is for Christians to be transformed into the image of God. And the beautiful thing about um, spiritual formation is that it's not just a self-help project. Like That's like kind of a side benefit that you get to have union and communion with God and go deeper with Him and He transforms you so that you actually live out the fruit of the Spirit in your, in your workplace, in your family, in your, um, with your neighbours. But it's actually for the sake of others. And one of the definitions of a spiritual formation by a guy called Robert Maholan is um, spiritual formation is the process by which we are formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. So we, because when we are transformed by God, we long to transform others, eh? You can't be filled with the, the love of God and, and the mercy and grace of God and hold that in, eh? You guys, I know you guys have many experiences of your life where you've just been overflowing with the love of God and you're like, man, I've got I've to tell people about Jesus. He's so good. I've got to tell people about his mercy and his grace and his love. I'm gonna, I want to help that person who's in need because Jesus has been so generous and gracious and loving to me. I want to be like him. I want to do what he did because he's so good. I want to repay his wonderful grace to me in some small way that I can today. And the other thing, um, oh, sorry. Um, and what that looks like for us as a church is that looks like um, we're going to talk about this a lot. We're going to teach on this. We're going to, throughout this year, we're going to actually unpack a lot of those spiritual disciplines and how to orientate our life around Jesus. It looks like in our groups that we're going to have um, resources and materials so people can go deeper, do deeper dives in this material and really get into it. Because you, you need to ha- do this in, 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 in groups. You need to talk to others. You need to start held, you know, helping each other, encouraging each other to go on this journey. Because you know how you always feel on Sunday? It's like, wow, that was a triumphant Sunday. I feel amazing. And then come Monday or Tuesday, you've got caught back up in work and the busyness and dropping the kids off and sports practices and all that. And you're it's like, oh, what was Sunday about? Oh, I forgot about it. But, you know, we need to be continually intentional about this so that we can go deeper with God. Um, the other big thing I, I felt on my heart for this year, and even in this season, was a real, um, go to the next slide, Johnny, was a real um, thing about prayer and about contending prayer. Now, like I just talked then about uh, spiritual formation and a sense of um, stuff that we're doing to transform ourselves as a community and stuff, but I also felt like there's this, this is kind of a real cry of the hour for co- like a contending prayer. And what I mean by that is, is a real sense of like, we don't just want to be passive about what's, what's happening in our lives, in our church, in our world. Like, we really want to cry out to God. We want to sort of rend the heavens, use an old-fashioned term. We really want to, like, Lord, we need your power. We need your power here. We need you to break through in situations. We need you to heal. We need you to uh, deliver and break stuff off people. We, Lord, we need you to come through in this situation. We need you to do these things in our community. And, and I, I, I felt like this a real stirring advice. I've never been that great at kind of corporate peer and and that kind of big intercessory sort of thing, but I felt like God putting this on my heart, that, that, that there's something for our church to go deeper in this. So it's not just an individual thing. As a body, we're going we're gonna to really go deep in contending prayer and see the power of God come. And I feel like it's almost like God's in this season, in this moment, I feel like he's bringing two streams of the church together 
to do something really dynamic. I feel like he's bringing the contemplative stream of spiritual practices and disciplines that's coming down through that side, and then he's bringing from our charismatic heritage this, this, the power of God and the, the outworking of the of gifts of God as we step into Father and, and just bringing those two streams together into this sort of mighty river, and it's, and it's going to just be have a, a real transformative power. Because in the past, um, you've had probably people who are very deep, um, contemplative people, but sometimes lacking the power of God, because it's sort of more of a solo project, kind of, so to speak. Um, and then on the other side of the, of the ledger, you've, you've sometimes had people with a lot of power, but they don't have good character, eh? And that hasn't worked out well for the church at times, isn't it? So what happens when you bring those two things together? Someone who's deeply formed by Jesus, got incredible character, and then you fill them with the power of the Spirit. What, what, what would a person look like like that? What would a church look like that would like that? That would be powerful. That would be dynamic. Well, I think so. But <laughs> so what does that look like for us um, at Kurimako? Uh, next slide, Johnny. Uh, this is a, 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 a boiler, boiler room uh, or boiler sort of thing. I had to look it up sort of thing. Um, basically, uh, in like... Okay. I'm showing my age here. Uh, basically, in like um, you know, old old buildings, you'd have these things, and you'd put coal and wood and what have you, and it, and it would heat. It'd be a big furnace that would heat the the building. I think they still have them in many places, uh, probably mostly overseas. But I, I I got this image in my mind because I was I was reading about Charles Spurgeon. Now Charles Spurgeon, if you don't know him, was a very famous 19th century English preacher. Um, brought thousands to Jesus um, for his incredible teaching. And preaching. And uh, one time someone asked him, what's the secret to your ministry? And he said, come with me, come and see the boiler room. And they're like, hmm? Because they're upstairs in this church and they're like, what the heck? Take them to this boiler room. What? You know? So they wander on down to the basement of this church. And inside this church is, 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 is this group of, of faithful people that he had always had who were just praying and just like crying out and just like interceding for him as, as he was preaching above. So they were preparing the ground, they were praying during and then after. This was his boiling room. And he said, this is the secret to my ministry, is this boiler room. And I want to create that kind of idea in our church that we have like a boiler room of, of, of God's presence in this place. That would be some, some people, like the hottest coals in the fire would be in this church that would be underneath what we're doing. And so what does that look like for us as a church? Well, one thing I want us to do is that um, we're going to, the 21 days um, leading up to Pentecost, um, when we celebrate Pentecost, we're actually going to do 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. And we're going to, you don't have to do 21, just by the way. You could do a day or something or half a day. All right. Okay. This is bombing now. <laughs> move on, Nick, move on. <laughs> you said fasting too much. People are freaking out. Okay, there's going to be food afterwards, and yeah, yeah, we'll just put everyone at ease. <laughs> Blood sugar levels are dropping. Okay, all right. Um, we're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to be intentional about this, and we're, gonna, we're probably going to also have, like a hopefully, a 24-hour prayer night, like kind of leading up to that final day of Pentecost. And then um, we've actually got Glenn France coming on Pentecost to to share on the outpouring of the Spirit. Uh, so I, I'm, very, I'm really excited. I've got a real kind of like, well, yeah, we're going to really go after this and see what God does and when he comes in power through that. As well as that, I, I really want to create, like, we, we, we now that we've got a building, we can have um, nights in here for prayer 
and we can um, build that prayer culture in here. So we're going to be, you're going to be seeing sort of dates coming up of, of when we can have nights in here where we're, we're really going for it uh, after God's plans and purposes. And we can have worship nights and soak nights and just really, really just soak this place in prayer and soak our community in prayer and see God move. Don't we want to see God move? Yeah? Um, I'll just finish with this quote from Le- Leonard Ravenhill. Next slide. You never have to advertise a fire. Everyone comes running when there's a fire. Likewise, if your church is on fire, you will not have to advertise it. The community will already know it. Isn't that true? If we're going deep with Jesus, if we're crying out for him to move and to to, to, to pour out his spirit in our community, we're not going to have to hype that up, are we, for people? Because there's going to be that tangible sense of God's presence here that people will want and they'll come running. So I just want to finish with that. Um, Why don't we stand?